Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 384. Today is September 2nd, 2022. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, welcome to the month of September. Be prepared to be inundated with headlines that September is the worst performing month for the stock market. And so while it's true that September is the most volatile month of the year, if you go back to 1950 and you average all those ups and downs together for the month of September, on average, the S&P 500, for more than 70 years, does perform worse in the month of September, and on average, it's down negative 0.54%. So that's 54 basis points. I was looking at the market a little bit ago, and I think the S&P 500 varied by 54 basis points within 15 minutes. The gloom and doom about September being such a horrible, awful month is no different than any of the other mythical nonsense that the media makes up to get your attention. Ha, but I digress. In previous episodes, I talked about support and resistance levels and about how as the market went up and got a little bit too high and tried to break through those upper resistance levels, you'd see the get-back sellers liquidating their positions and that would cause the market to drop. But when it dropped, it would find new support at the old resistance levels. And as volatile as the market's been over the last couple weeks, that leapfrog of moving between the support and resistance levels is playing out, and the 50-day moving average is moving up, and it's been moving up since about mid-July. I think that trend is going to continue until at least the midterm elections. Because I think over the next three months or so, you'll see the center of gravity of this market continue to move up to where by the time we get into the November midterm elections, the S&P on average will be above its 200-day moving average. Okay, more about that in future episodes. The big drop that we've seen in the market that's taken place over the last, I guess it's two weeks, I think it was around August 12th or 15th when we saw this last rally fail was when the S&P failed at its 200-day moving average, right around 4,300. The market collapsed at that level, not because corporate profits were doing poorly. In fact, just the opposite. The reason it had ran up so much to that 200-day moving average was because second quarter profits came in so strong. Profits were up over 6.5%. That's why, in my opinion, I think the economy is still on stable grounds, And I've been ignoring all the noise and static and gloom and doom about the stock market because long term, what really matters is profitability. And the S&P 500 has a forward earnings multiple that is still very much favorable, even if you factor in the high end of where the Federal Reserve is signaling that they're going to try and get to by the end of this year or early next year. So what's with all the headline news about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates? They're going to cause a recession. I mean, they came out over the last two weeks, and especially last week, and specifically said they know they were causing pain, they intend to cause pain, and the pain's going to get worse. One of the presidents of the local Federal Reserve districts even came out gleefully with a big smile on his face, talking about how he was happy, you know, thrilled that the S&P 500 was declining and dropping over these past couple weeks. You see, this is a populist appeal to the masses that, hey, you know, we're the Federal Reserve and we're sticking it to the rich. 
we're helping out the working guy. We're worried about income inequality and pay disparity. We're concerned about the environment and all this minutia that they talk about. All these things that they talk about, it is simply a smokescreen. Do you know what the Federal Reserve mandate ultimately is? To protect the banking system. You forget about their dual mandate. They talk about stable prices and maximum employment. The Federal Reserve cares about one thing and one thing only, and they'll say whatever they need to say, just like a politician would. They'll say whatever they need to say to allow them to have the power and control that they need and want. But ultimately, it comes down to the fact that they are supporting the banking system. Now, again, you can argue about that. You can complain. You may even come up with alternate economic strategies, right? Yeah, that's all well and good, and I wish you luck. But the reality of the situation is that the financial system controls the rest of the systems. And the financial system is represented by the Federal Reserve. And so when the Federal Reserve is talking about pain, and right now they're playing that as if it's derogatory to the stock market. But it isn't. Corporate profits keep going up. When the Federal Reserve really talks about pain, and they talk about that balance between maintaining stable prices and maximum employment, well, right now they're fighting that myth of stable prices, and that ultimately means that they're going to raise unemployment, and the pain is going to be felt by the unemployed. Now, who do you think the unemployed are? Do you think the unemployed are going to be Warren Buffett or Elon Musk or the CEOs at McDonald's, Home Depot? No. The unemployed are going to be those marginal people that the Federal Reserve and all the other politicians feign to represent and feign to care about. So they'll get on TV now and they'll gleefully tell you how they're going to hurt the stock market, how they're happy about that, how they're accomplishing their mission. But listen carefully to what they're saying and what they're doing and look at the results. And part of that smokescreen that you can see through right now is this ultimate war on employment. It's really evident in the attacks that I've been seeing not only from the Federal Reserve, but also from a lot of big key CEOs about working from home. And you're seeing it across the board. It's coming from big Wall Street names. It's coming from Elon Musk. It's specifically coming from Federal Reserve presidents. And they're convoluting the truth. This is the way part of the fairy tale goes. And again, this came from a Fed president's mouth. He specifically said that work from home was failing because we're seeing lower productivity. And the way he summed this all up was he said that, you know, GDP is coming down at the same time that employment is going up. And so therefore, he concluded that one of the things that was wrong with the economy was this whole work from home concept where workers were less productive. And again, specifically, he pointed to the fact that if you have a higher employment rate and GDP is coming down, that that's a clear sign that we're being less productive. Well, he's conflating facts there. Well, yes, unemployment is at its historical lowest point and employment percentages are going up, but that's percentages. If you look at the total number of actual employed people, you'll see that we have less people employed now than we did prior to the pandemic. And specifically in the sectors of the economy that are the most profitable and growing the most, that's where we're doing it with the least number of workers. And so they finagle these statistics to talk about low unemployment. 
But the reason we have low unemployment is because we have an even lower employee participation rate. Huge amounts of older workers have taken early retirement and left the workforce. Huge amounts of younger women have decided to stay home, to start having children or to take care of their children, or in some cases, just to be caregivers to their elderly parents or grandparents. We also have a huge reduction in the amount of immigrants, both legal and illegal, that have entered the workforce since prior to the pandemic. So, yes, unemployment is extremely low, but it's not because we have more workers, it's because less people want to work. And with less people in the labor force, that means that labor costs have skyrocketed, and that's why you're seeing this orchestrated effort to talk down things like work from home and to reduce employees' bargaining powers. Do you remember earlier this year, I think it was, I don't know, March or April, you had all the CEOs from the big tech companies going to Congress and testifying that, you know, we need to liberate the visa process, bring in all these smart workers from around the world because we just didn't have enough tech workers in the United States. It's consistently what they say. And then it was magically, like within weeks, all of a sudden the narrative started to change. And these very same big tech companies, overnight, magically, as if it was orchestrated, start announcing hiring freezes. Oh, it's a bad economy. Oh, the Federal Reserve's raising rates. Oh, we see a slowdown. Well, I think the only slowdown they saw was the opportunity to slow down employee wages. Listen, if they were really concerned about getting more people to work and getting more people in the workforce, they would be promoting work from home. They would be promoting remote and distant employment. But they're not. They're doing the exact opposite. And by making a big deal about these announced hiring freezes and planned layoffs, what they're doing is they're setting the expectation with workers that you should stop quitting your job, you should stay employed where you're at, you should be happy you have a job, and you should not ask for a pay raise. And so when you hear the Federal Reserve say they're happy about causing pain in the stock market and they're going to raise interest rates as high as they need to to crush demand, just remember that pain they're talking about, it's going to hit the poor people and the people that are on the margins the worst. It's not going to hit Warren Buffett. It's not going to hit Elon Musk. It's not going to hit guys like me. So when you hear the Federal Reserve talking about inflicting pain, it's going to be on the working class. It's going to be on the marginal workers. And ultimately, that helps the stock market because it puts a cap on these high-rising wages Productivity does go up even more. Likewise, that correlates to higher profits. And that's how the rich get richer. Look at what happened during the pandemic. These very same people now that talk about causing pain, and they talk about rising rates up to about 4% and then holding them there for an indefinite amount of time. Again, even if they do, it doesn't matter. The valuations are still in favor of the stock market versus the bond market. But let's just take them at their word. They're, they're going to raise rates up to 4% and keep them there. Well, the people that are saying that the loudest now are the exact same people that just a little more than a year ago were telling you that rates were not going to go up until we got into 2023, and they may not even go up until we get into 2024. And they're also the same people that two and a half years ago were telling you that they didn't care at all about inflation that their sole mandate at that point 
was to maintain maximum employment. So they can say whatever they say. It doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do in the future. And specifically as it relates to employment, this pain that they're talking about inflicting, it's going to hurt the same people that got hurt during the pandemic. And from an employee point of view, who got hurt during the pandemic? Non-essential workers. That didn't affect Walmart. That didn't affect Home Depot. That didn't affect McDonald's. But if you were an independent, if you were a mom and pop shop, if you weren't part of the big corporate financial system, yeah, you were deemed non-essential. And when they were talking about having policies to promote maximum employment, it wasn't you. It was the big guys, the big corporations, the big people making profits that benefited. Now, again, you can complain about that or you can construct your career and your lifestyle and your investments to correlate with those big profitable companies. It was said that when Jesse James was asked why he robbed banks, he said that's because that's where the money is. Well, in our modern society, the money is in the system. It's with these big corporations. If you know that and you structure your lifestyle and your investments around that ecosystem, then you can profit from it without being in that system. I know because that's how I live my life. I make my money from Wall Street, but I'm about as far removed and un-Wall Street as you can get. And the same principle can be applied to any industry. The financial system is geared to promote these big, profitable companies. You just need to figure out how to tap into that profitability for your own benefit. Well, hey, as always, more about that in future episodes. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.